and welcome to On Focus, brought to you by the Focal Therapy Clinic, where we connect you with issues facing men diagnosed with prostate cancer that are little known, less understood, often avoided, or even ignored. Prostate cancer is the most commonly diagnosed cancer amongst men in the UK. And with this somber fact comes a multitude of challenges and opportunities. I'm Claire Delmar. Joining me today is Elvin Box, a popular and passionate advocate for men with prostate cancer. Diagnosed in 2016, Elvin is a Movember UK ambassador, and he's written and campaigned extensively on a number of issues impacting men and their families as they experience a diagnosis of prostate cancer and navigate treatment options. He's here today at the end of Men's Health Week to share his perspective on men's health awareness and how prostate cancer fits into this. Elvin, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an absolute pleasure. Absolute <laughs> pleasure. Thank you so much for asking me to come along on such a beautiful day. It is a beautiful day. It's very, very, very lucky. And uh, the whole Men's Health Week has been beautiful and warm. So maybe that yeah. portends, portends well for uh, the future of Men's Health. So let's dig in. I mean, you know, I, as I said to you um, <clears throat> earlier, I, you know, I really wanted to do a podcast around Men's Health Week and you were the star candidate for having this conversation. What do you think are the top issues that that merit attention as this week draws to a close. I mean, again, I'm referring to men's health. Men's health. The fact that it was really the one um, statistic that made me sit up was that apparently in the United Kingdom, one in five, one in five men, do not reach 65, or they're dead in and around 65, which is in this day and age is actually horrific. It really so, is. It really is that coming from the Office of <coughs> National Statistics? Where where did you see that? This was uh, actually from the, uh, the group that actually put together uh, the Men's Health Week, uh, okay. National Men's Health. I'd spoken with someone at Movember about this. Globally, the statistics say is that women outlive men by eight years, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is, we would know is well, that's horrific. That's a long time, eight years. Mm-hmm. But to the general population, especially talking to a thirty-five-year-old. That doesn't really carry much weight. Oh, no, okay. But what I actually now say to them is though, that uh, one in five of you in, in this room now, if you're all guys or, sorry, ladies, but you're going to last a bit longer, mm-hmm. <clears throat> one in five of you, you know, you're, you're going to gone before you reach 65. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. That's what I say to them, guys, you know, <clears throat> anyone here 55, you just got another 10 years. But that was the, the thing that kicked me in. And, yep. and I've still tried to get to the bottom why is there is such statistics there are such things but the the thing that is uh, still nags at me is uh not doing enough about mental health which mm-hmm. leads to suicide mm-hmm. and and as you well know uh claire we're way off the mark in doing something nationally just of making sure now we really get this prostate cancer thing Mm. You really get this, you know. Uh, you don't have to keep telling us that you know, on any normal day. Probably every 15 minutes, uh, a man will be diagnosed with prostate cancer. And mm-hmm. as we well know, Claire, now, probably every 45 minutes one will die. And yeah. uh, the sexual health outcomes for the majority of men, uh, we can talk about it in a bit more detail, but you know, the majority of men, if they have any treatment for prostate cancer, their sex life and, of course, their social life, because they're, they're basically most of them will become incontinent to a lesser or worse degree, some quite bad. Indeed. And, and, and as we both know is that, uh, very sadly, their potency is, for, for many men, will, will, never ret- will never return. Yeah, yeah. So, sadly... 
we've still got to do more on yeah. prostate cancer. Yeah, absolutely. All the things in mental health. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, I mean, first of all, I think you're right. I mean, I think any of our listeners would also sit up when they heard the statistic of one in five or 20% of men mm. in this country won't live beyond 65. And just on its own, I mean, I'm sure if you dig deep and unpack some of that, you'll find, you know, variation amongst localities and, you know, um, mm. a, you know all kinds of other things. But it's, it is an alarming statistic. So I, I do want to come back to that. And I, I do want to come back to the specifically on the prostate mm. cancer. But I, I just want to ask, like, because you're out there and you're out there with Movember, and I know you do a lot of work with various companies and organizations, you go in and you give awareness talks. And I'm just wondering, do you find that men are more or less informed about their health? Say, say in the last five years, are you seeing any trends and just just a, a sense of self awareness about health, and you know, then presumably lead to, to to better action about their health? What what do you hmm. see there? I think that there's more general awareness. There doesn't seem to be much more action. There's a lot, lot more talk, Claire. Mm-hmm. Loads more talk, mm-hmm. you know, which is good. You know, not you know, that's a good start. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, in answer to fully answer your question, is that uh, is insufficient action, and also the action that will provide the support and assistance that's needed to uh, improve men's health. When when, when talking to to mate with it, mainly are men audiences, because I talk about prostate cancer so much, mm-hmm. um, is that th- their understanding of prostate cancer is in and around the same, which okay. unfortunately is pretty dire. You know, apparently mm-hmm. prostate cancer, you care so about 74% uh, of men are unaware of what the prostate does. I yeah, there was a, um, yeah, that was a campaign I saw that Prostate Cancer UK mm. was running this week. And I, I, I agree, that's... That's pretty shocking, but but I mean, so yeah, so let's dig in on prostate cancer awareness and health health literacy. You use that term, I mean, so yes, that figure about even knowing what the prostate is, where it's located, its function, et cetera, et cetera. So we know that that's bad, um, and I, I do want to I do want to to get your thoughts on on how we might improve that. But but I think what I'm really interested in, and this kind of circles back to what you said earlier about some of the bigger implications around sexual health, urinary health, mental health. Do you think men are sufficiently informed about their treatment choices? So that's another another question that takes it a level deeper. Unfortunately, Claire, they have no idea. The only time they even have an inkling of the treatment options available is where they've been, when they've been told, we've got to treat you. And, 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 you know, that, that's just a sad fact. Before they become embroiled, as a word I would use, with prostate cancer, they have little or no idea of the options and when options run out. Mm. Um, that, that's it's just it's a, it's a sad fact. Is that there's lots of people who know someone who've got, who's got prostate cancer, who's died of prostate cancer, or living with prostate cancer, but. Because I'm not sure if it's the complexity or not. I, I, I'm not sure because it is so complex, but I'm, I'm pretty damn sure there's not enough easily available material uh, to set guys up and on their way as there is with breast cancer. Mm. Now, breast mm. cancer has screening. Sorry, mm. go of course, yeah. No, I, 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 we can we can even come on to the to the, the screening issue. But I'm, I'm, I'm really curious about this. Um, you know, the point you make about information, because, I mean, I would actually argue that there's, you know, overwhelming amounts of information um, 
and and the issue is more the quality, not the quantity, perhaps. I don't ah, know if you disagree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Clarity. Mm. Clarity. Yeah, mm. yeah. And uh, it's still too complex. It's still too complex. Okay. What is out there is mm. still too complex. And it, it's insufficiently, well, not insufficient, I'm being polite. Nobody really understands that if you uh, are diagnosed as early as possible, Mm-hmm. There really is minimal invasive treatment. Mm. Now, I'll give a, a, an example of that, uh, Claire. When, um, in around about 2018, not long after I started doing these talks, I was at one session and this guy actually said, Look, in comparison to Elvin, he said, I broke my finger now. He said, because he explained what minimal invasive treatment he'd had. Mm-hmm. And he said it was caught earlier. So he said, I, he's, he explained to everybody. He said, I just woke up one morning and I did a wee, but nothing, but we, there wasn't any wee there. So mm-hmm. everything else, mm-hmm. it was a Babylon for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I didn't, he said, I didn't wait to see if it went in the afternoon. The first person I went and spoke to after that was the GP. He said, I, it was the best thing I ever did because it was prostate cancer. It was stage two, it was still within um, the gland. He mm-hmm. said, in, in comparison to Elvin, he said, I had nothing done. What you've said is quite salient because, you know, first of all, he was lucky to be able to see a GP, you know, sounds like it was almost immediately or certainly very quickly, um, yeah. which actually was, you know, kind of leads me to another question. I mean, do you do you think that the, the cancer backlog that's talked a lot about in the media mm-hmm. and, and a lot of, of, you know, I'd like to hear from you what what the people you engage with say, do you think that's impacted men in those some of the regards you've just described for example awareness secondly around catching this cancer in in time for for um less invasive treatment uh sadly yes well and truly mm-hmm. yeah absolutely then the, the reasoning uh is that prior to the covid situation going into lockdown although lots of gps weren't that brilliant when they were when they first uh, spoke to uh, a a patient walked in and wanted to know about potentially prostate cancer, or they were advised to have the blood test. At mm-hmm. least they were being seen, their blood was being taken, and they and they were actually face to face being spoken to. Yes, they were indifferent the information they got, but at least they were on the first run of the ladder. You know, they were on that conveyor belt. They were there and they were talking about it. And then, although they were being given options, to at least to get the ball rolling. Mm-hmm. And sadly, what happened with lockdown is that it's made life so difficult to have a face-to-face discussion with a GP. And, and how uh, does that impact men? I mean, how you know? Because presumably you could get that you know virtual that that online appointment. Why would that mm-hmm. matter? If, if as long as you were going to progress with, say, a PSA test, why why do you see that as being such a problem? When you're speaking with someone face to face, it's a thousand times better when you're sure. talking about something like prostate cancer than it is online. Yeah, of course. For instance, uh, Claire, uh, um, my own case, this was before lockdown, mm-hmm. but I'd been to see a GP two years previously. When I came back with a raised and elevated PSA, all he wanted to do was to um, actually decry the, the use of a PSA. Mm-hmm. But when I went the second time, two years on, change of GP, and I explained it's elevated, it's not a problem, is it? And that's when I, it, it took a discussion and I had to see her actually stamp her foot and said, you must go and see. Said, I can get you to see a urologist. You are on private health. Mm-hmm. And it, it's that immediacy, immediacy, mm-hmm. and also be able to talk. And um, not everybody's comfortable talking online. 
it's, it's probably easier to, to dismiss things online. With all due respect to all the GPs out there, it's almost, and that's a horror, it's almost like the, uh, the partially sighted leading the blind. You know, mm. the, the, the person on the end of the call, the patient, will probably know next to nothing about prostate cancer. And I'm not decrying GPs, but the majority I've met aren't sufficiently antagonised by the situation to get to the bottom of something. And they, and I get so animated when I hear that they said, oh, they wanted to tell me about, the, you know, the problems with the PSA, which, which they really shouldn't be doing anyway. You know, mm. You know, mm. you know, it, it's advisable. Why? Because it's the only way we're going to find out mm. if there is potentially, even then it's only potentially, but if we don't do it, we're never going to know. So that's, that raises a really interesting point. I mean, I didn't want to get into a whole discussion about screening, but you've raised mm. a really interesting point that, you know, we live in a world, and, and I'm sure you saw there was um, some media reporting uh, just in the last week or so about um, that asking for a PSA should be stopped. You know, I think you you, you saw that that piece. And what's interesting about that is, do you think that, you know, first of all, there's going to be a lot of men, you know, that will be reluctant to ask just for all kinds of reasons, you know. Um, But do you think that, let's assume there's a certain proportion of men that are just simply reluctant to ask. Do you think that that proportion would be even greater because they're A, reluctant to ask, but B, even more reluctant to ask online versus face-to-face. Do you think that has anything to do with the current process we have for PSA screening? Yeah. You yeah, do? Um, do people tell you this? Yeah. I mean, is this what, you know, I'm really curious about that that point. Mm. Well, what I get told is, especially by uh, people who come in and, and I've, I've been speaking with them at, at a presentation, and it's still alarming the amount that we're told that they uh, – uh, they're either put off having it, or this this whole thing about the problems with it, and you know, especially when I've explained to them that without a PSA, diagnosis can don't, can't go any further forward. Yeah, and I, I say to them, even yeah. with the PSA, there's an yeah. element of guessing game. I say mm. to every single one of them, if it's up and it's elevated, you'll have another one. Yeah, you know that they'll do that as a matter of course. Yeah, and so yes, unfortunately, because the myths that surround prostate cancer, the myth that's around PSA mm-hmm. um, is extraordinarily difficult for the average Joe, with all due respect, who's never looked into it mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. have yeah. faith mm-hmm. in, his, in his GP. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you about that. What what do you see yeah. in these groups? What are some of the myths that you see prevalent in, amongst the men that you engage with? The one that stands out the most, it's, it's an old man's disease. And then I say, what is an old man? Yeah. What, what do you Absolutely. now mean by an old man? Yeah. Uh, when, when do you become being a man? When, when, when do you go from being a young man to a man to an old man? What, what happens? Yeah. And what do they say uh, when you ask them? But do they have a ready answer or are they somewhat no. You know, confused? No. Some, some will say 65. I said, well, when you mention a, a various actor, I said, well, they're 65. You know, yeah. They're having yeah. children at 65. Yeah. And, yeah. and yeah, quite. And that one particular one is it's the old man's one. There's still. It's, like, it's a two-way thing, is that I, I've heard you'll die with it, not yeah. of it. Yeah. And it's also backed up, one that backs it up, is that it's not that serious, is it? Yeah. So, you know, that, that, yeah. Like, well, if, if you do get it, it's not that serious, is it? Yeah. And so um, at the moment, they're, they're all saying, oh, it's old men, don't worry. Yeah. Don't worry about that. You know, Christ. And uh, the second thing is, well, if you did get it, uh, you'll die of it and uh, sorry die with it die yeah. with it yeah. and uh, anyway uh, it's one of the better ones isn't it yeah 
I mean, it's, and you still hear that. I mean, these have yeah. been these have been you know in currency, so to speak, for quite some time. And it sounds for what you're suggesting that they really haven't died. If anything, they've kind of reinforced themselves. Uh, yeah, and and it, it is unfortunately, Claire. Nobody, me included, um, is interested or concern, concerned, a better term, concerned about prostate cancer until it actually dawns. It's there. I had an yeah. interesting discussion with a guy, very, very, very sad, at 56 um, last summer. He was diagnosed with incurable prostate cancer at 56. And he was, bitter is not the word, since he was 50, he had to go and see his um, GP on a regular basis for another blood test for another ailment. Mm-hmm. And he actually said to the GP, he said, you waited six years to give me a PSA. Yeah. You yeah. Know, why, why, didn't, why was that? You know, I was coming in to have, you know, regular ones. Why didn't you just add it on? Yeah. And he, he's, he's right, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, a very, very sad client. I knew a guy who, who died at 56. Um, uh, it's only it was only eight months from diagnosis, mm. and because uh, he was uh, a guy when he explained to me, I said, "But you know, what was the the PSA?" So was it? It was in the thousand. He said, "In the thousands." Wow, yeah, I mean, uh, and it'd never been. You know, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess I would like to finish on something, if possible, um, more positive. Yeah. And you know, because <laughs> because because you are a very high energy person, and, and you 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 literally meet hundreds of people every year um around this particular topic what mm. what's the good news out there you know what 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 has changed in the years i mean you, i know you said 2018 so you you've been at this for five years what mm. what's improved what's what's the good news if you talk about it in general mm-hmm. talk about it in general but that's men's health in general mm-hmm. um it's there is positive signs are that if somebody smokes now, you're not going to know unless, you know, for instance, Claire, like, uh, there was a time when people used to like, I just get the cigarettes out and put them on a desk and stuff mm-hmm. like that. That, that. That never happens anymore. And yep, so there's exactly. a stigma mm-hmm. about smoking. That's for absolutely certain. Mm-hmm. Um, the the mental health issue, let's call it mental health issue, specifically mm-hmm. for men, specifically those in construction, you know, the, but everybody knows, but you know, that statistically, every day two construction workers take their own life. Is that true? Yeah, that's what that's. Um, uh, and and I'm, I'm, the other statistic is that in Ireland, yeah. 50%, 50% of suicides are from the construction sector. That's interesting. I should just, I just, just uh, insert for our listeners that um, Elvin Box is a mm. um, professional in the construction sector. So that's why you. Mm. You 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 know your you know your onions on this one, so that's yeah. that's incredible. Gosh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, so, mm. so positively, yep. Now you really shouldn't be smoking. That's coming across loud and clear. Mm-hmm. I know people still smoke, as people do vape, but at least they're understanding that uh, it's not very good for you, is it? the The mental health thing is being talked about way more than it has been there is an acknowledgement we need to do something about it right right we're not quite on tipping point yet to actually be doing something yeah you know real no an action plans in place that's not quite there 
Yeah. And as you say, the the stigma has been reduced. I mean, you said that about, um, Mm. whereas the stigma has increased for smoking, you know, just the reverse for, you know. Absolutely. Yes. Mm. Yes. It's okay to talk about your mental health, but it's not a good idea to let somebody know you you still buy a 20 Mulder. Yeah. Or or other brands. Yeah. (laughs) One of the other brands. Mm-hmm. Not saying so mm-hmm. well. And um, the biggest positive is the amount of more people, especially male, who go into a gym. Right. You know, okay. On a regular basis. You know, right. on a Saturday when I go into the gym, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of people in that gym of all ages and of all different, you know, proportions and stuff. Yeah. And so uh, one thing that uh, came out of um, the 2012 uh, Olympics, the legacy was that we uh, our lo- locally we were a, a beautiful sporting village, mm-hmm. and that's you know thriving on Saturdays. There's loads of loads of families there, right? So okay, that's, that's good to definitely hear. come on, yeah. And talking, you know, talking to the groups, um, there's a lot more about how they look after their health. We still haven't got any further forward with um, the amount of time people spend at work. Mm-hmm. Um, and that we've not improved um, the, 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 the talking when it becomes intimate, the talking right. when it becomes intimate. So um, the sexual health problem for prostate cancer, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's still um, not something people like to talk about. They, they are, there's more awareness. Yeah. There's more yeah. awareness. Yeah. But the clarity that we seek Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, to the extent of how uh, things actually uh, are impacted, mm-hmm. and, uh, and that's mm-hmm. what, and um, and that's why every time I do a prostate cancer talk now is that when I say I'm going to talk beyond stage two now, and I want you to understand this is not happy listening or reading. And yeah. I'm not over egging it for you. I'm just telling you as it is. Yeah, and so uh, that part. Good thing is uh, that they are okay now. Now, now I get what you're talking about, but we still need. We're not quite on tipping point there because you know I've mentioned it before, to Claire, is that what I want is people to talk about their sexual health as easily as they talk about their dental health. Obviously, yeah. within yeah, in front of the children, stuff like that. Different, yeah. but it should, you know, we're adults. We're crying out loud. Yeah. Please, will stop talking about sexual health. Yeah, just like you talk about your dental health. Because no, abs- absolutely. Be- yeah. And it doesn't help that, you know, um, you know, I think, you know, you had a more integrated approach to 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 even your 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 clinical care that, you know, bringing in a sexual health counselor or a psychosexual counselor would mm. would add so much. And I know you and I have oh. talked about this before. And we know that there are people out there who are trying to do this, but you know, resources are constrained and they're stretched. Yes. Um, and you know, it's people like you that are you know, if you don't ask, you don't get, you know, that you're actually raising the point that, you know, you may need some some professional help on this and or some kind of group to help. And I think, you know, you're right. It's just plugging away. And, you, you, you know, you, you cited the example of smoking. Well, it took a long time. You know, you cited the example of mental health and destigmatization of that. It took a while. It's still a road ahead. But, you know, this is almost like the next frontier, right? Yes, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you know, but it is as you want, Claire. Is that um, it will take people? Do I say like me, the advocates who are prepared to be shot down? Yeah, uh, I know. Because we have I that know. passion for it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so there's a, there's a there's a fighting chance in the next five years. Yeah, we will start to see some 
breakthroughs. Well, let's um, hope. Let's hope. But let's oh, hope yes. there are these, these, <laughs> these chinks of light that are yeah. there. But I think we'll leave it on that note because it is positive. And, um, you know, we, we'll we'll pick up again, um, maybe in a future podcast, back to, you know, where we are in the sexual and urinary health, because I know you've been very committed to that, as, as have we at the clinic. So, so yes, I just want to say thanks definitely. again so much for joining me, Alvin. It's always um, it's always a pleasure to talk with you and to get your insights and your just get transmit some of that wonderful energy you have. So thank you again. So Claire, I, I can ask me all day, every day, because I love talking <laughs> with you. Uh, so, uh, the feeling is absolutely mutual. I, I get energized by talking to you, Claire. And really importantly, we're talking about something we know needs to change. You know, we're we're not we're not nagging. We're now explaining. Yeah, absolutely. And we're, in, yeah, incentivizing. Maybe that's another word. But That's, that's a great term. Yeah. Thanks, thanks again. A transcript of this interview and links to Movember are available in the program notes on our website, along with further information on diagnostics and treatment for prostate cancer and additional interviews and stories about living with prostate cancer. Please visit www.thefocaltherapyclinic.co.uk and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Focal Therapy Clinic. Thanks for listening. And for me, Claire Delmar, see you next time.